everyone, and welcome into the Broadway Bulletin. We are excited to bring you another episode of the latest installment from Stage Whisper. On this episode, we are adding to our list of familiar shows, as well as adding a new name to the list of shows we've seen. To start off with, we visited the Gershwin Theater and saw Wicked for an incredible 15th time. Wow. Yeah, it was... It was a wonderful experience, but I think we should start at the beginning, way before we took our seats, climbed the escalator, saw the map of Oz, even went into the door. Um, So this is the fourth show that we've seen since we've been back. Um, Everything's been going great. I think everyone... Well, the fourth show on Broadway. Yeah. Uh, Fifth show, you're right. Fifth show since we've been back in town, fourth show on Broadway. And I think everyone's been doing great regarding COVID protocols and all that jazz. Majority of the audiences, 10 out of 10 would recommend. We all got on board. We understand we've been without this art form for so long. And all we got to do is show a card ID and put on a thing over our mouth and nose. Great. That's a small price to pay, all things considered. That being said, um, this was the first audience that was having a hard time with the vaccine cards and keeping their mask on. Yeah, we were. we got to the theater 30 minutes ahead of time. Now, granted... This is the first show that, in my opinion, we were running late for. Um, And still, 30 minutes, you would have thought, hey, I got plenty of time. And the line was huge around the theater. Mm -hmm. Now, the Gershwin Theater is one of the largest theaters on Broadway. But that being said, the holdup was not that there weren't enough people checking uh, vaccine cards and that. It's people's not understanding what they needed to present. You know, oh, I didn't know I needed my ID. Oh, you mean this vaccine card isn't good? And having to explain what documentation they had and being told, like, no, I'm sorry, that doesn't work. No, that doesn't... Right, even though there was clear signage everywhere in line. Not to mention you get... said, have your ID and your vaccine card ready. Not to mention you get three, three emails going into your performance the day of, like two days before, a week before, oh, I guess four, and when you buy it, that say, like, these are the policies that you're going to need to know. Here's what you got to do to get ready. So it was a little frustrating when, like, we kept seeing people in front of us and they were like, well, I've had a negative test last week, and they were like, well, no, it's 72 hours. You know, oh, well, I've got this vaccine card. Yeah, but your second dose doesn't have a date on it, so, well, they didn't put a date on it. Well, I'm sorry, that's... We didn't give you the vaccine. That's not our fault. So that was a little frustrating. But again, we got in. We got to our seats on time. Yeah, there was a little bit of difficulty with people once they were in. Um, You know, they had signs that the only time you could eat or drink um, was when... Or the only time you could take your mask off was when you were actively eating or drinking in the lobby. And there were a lot of people who were being very... They're like, well, I have a drink in my hand. I don't need to have a mask on. And they were actually saying it, meaning I think they were aware of the policy and just choosing not... A lot not. of entitlement. One thing that irked me was um, we could do a whole episode about theater etiquette. And not, this is not the place, but there was a group behind me that talked through the entire show. First of all... The member of their party showed up late, and that's fine if you show up. Extremely late. Well, no, 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 like 15 minutes in the show. I wouldn't call that extremely late. Act one, and act one is extremely late. They showed up late. There's a 10-minute hold to start the show. They showed up late, and I understand you're late. Okay, things happen. We've been there. But once they sat down, their friend proceeded to, not in a whisper, not in a stage whisper, explain what she missed. And it's like, hey... 
Hi, we all paid the money, and we've all been seeing the show. This is this isn't stage whisper. This isn't where you get to recap the show right now. Be quiet. And I thought, okay, well, she's got her friend caught up. We're cool now. No, they kept talking through the entire show. And when I would turn around to tell them to be quiet, at one point I turned around, and the gal who was late, no mask on. And come back to, like, she had her foot propped up on the pillar, had all this food around her. She's, like, chilling out like it's her parents' basement. And I just thought, yeah, hey, it's a Broadway theater. I'm not going to tell you how you should act, but at the same time, a little decorum. You don't have to get suit and tie snazzed up with a top hat kind of thing, but a little bit of reverence and respect. It is a Broadway theater, not your parents' basement watching a movie. Right, the people on stage can actually, the people performing can actually see you. I mean, I'm not sure so much way in the back of the balcony, but... But still. And it's, everybody else around you can see you. Don't, unless you bought the entire theater out, you know, you, if you didn't Have pay for my for ticket, those don't, around you. don't ruin my thing. But anyway. Right, but I mean, but that being said, it was only about 5 to 10% of people. I wouldn't even say 5%. I, the, everybody else is getting on board and doing their part. And again, one of the largest houses, everybody else is playing by the rules. And one out of four, I mean, I, I could probably count on one, maybe two hands the number of people that really weren't wearing their mask right. The odds are in our favor. So that was the only negative. Everything else here... We got some positives to talk about. Oh my goodness, yes. The show was, uh, 15th time, even better than I remember. Oh my gosh, yes. It was like everything had the screws tightened, it was yep. freshly polished, new coats of paint. Like, it was, it felt like a well-oiled, like, and it's always felt like a well-oiled machine, but there was like an extra bit of, like, The cast was just it. phenomenal and so balanced. There was such a... I don't know. I, I don't feel like they've recast the entire show, but just there was this element of balance that I haven't seen in ever. The Elphaba and the Glinda really matched each other. Yes, you know? they were like they were like the perfect combination. They together. added their perfect special little touch to their parts, which really brought out the dramatic and the humorous parts of their characters. And in a way, they really reinvented the roles. You know, they didn't have to go back and rewrite the script. No. But they could just look at it and go, okay, how can I add my special little touch to this to make it my own? And it worked so well. Right. Well, I mean, and they put themselves completely into their characters. Um, and obviously they made the role their own. But they kept a lot of those original bits that just kind of make the show. Yeah. That sometimes I see actors elect not to go for it. Because it's like, oh, but Kristen Chenoweth made that very popular. It's like, no, no, no. There are certain parts. Well, it's like when during popular when Glinda like falls back on the bed and she goes, oh. Yes. Right? Every every Glinda's done that. But this Glinda, instead of letting the ah, uh, just flopped back and like pass out and just held that. Like she it was un- like a full on she- temper tantrum from a child that's like holding their breath. Yes. She understood the power of stillness. Yes. She understood that there there's something great about not having to be too explosive. And it was brilliant. Sometimes being small is being big. Uh, these great little one-liners, this, just the way that they delivered it, the pacing of some line deliverances were great. I even found myself really liking The Wizard. The way he delivered it, it was, all, mm-hmm. it was like a vaudevillian kind of guy that I was like, mm-hmm. tell me, sell me a show. And I was like, that's the way The Wizard's supposed to be. That's, he is totally a vaudevillian guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I just, watching that show, I was like, ah, this. Well, and also, we can't talk about the leads without talking about Madame Morgan. So, I hope I'm speaking 
If anybody out there needs to correct me, I welcome that because I want to speak correctly. The actress, I think it's actress, playing Madame Morrible was beyond amazing. They are a transgender actress, actor. I don't know what the correct it, pronoun the, is. She is a transgender woman. Okay, perfect. Uh, first transgender person to play Madame Morrible. Um, and I'm not going to even, like, dwell on the fact that it's a transgender person. Because, like, that's great. Woo, champion, all that. But... What's really amazing is just that performance. The way that she made Madame Marble. Mm. They brought a whole new dimension to the role. And a whole new element to the part. Like, it really... What I loved is a lot of the old Madame Morables... I shouldn't say old. The former Madame Morables played like this stuffy, like, British, you know, kind of person... She, I don't know, it was a lot, a lot more relatable, and suddenly when she they She made were, her more flamboyant in, like, a, it, as in, like, her personality. It was like that rickety old grandma, like the grandma from Halloween Town. Right, and the thing is, is when they were at Shiz University, she was able to connect and relate more to Glinda and Alphaba, which allowed a stronger connection to be made, so that as the story progressed on and we got, went to Oz and whatnot that deception and everything that came about it was much more deeper and harsher and really allowed this character to be really more evil, and in my opinion, the most evil character in the show. You know, that's amazing. And like I said, just the way they just... It's like Norm Lewis and Phantom of the Opera. Just changing an inflection on a certain word or something really changes the dynamic of the show. The dancing was absolutely on fleek. Is that still a thing? We still saying those words? Who knows anymore? <laughs> the lines are incredible. The precision was all there. Shout out to our friend Courtney Ivantosh. Yes. Seriously, the I I've never like been so amazed by the dancing like I was. Like it's always been like, oh wow, that's amazing. But like seeing the show, I was like, I mean, I even caught things that was that Fierro was doing mm-hmm. with his body that I had missed from previous performances that I'd seen like once and I was like, oh, I love that. Why don't they play into that? It's like a scarecrow movement. Yeah. And he repeated it throughout the entire show, which I just loved so much. There's so many like just little movements that I was like, I've never picked up on that. I've never, that movement comes back later on. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was amazing. So shout out to the entire company. The show is perfection top from bottom. Go see it. I can't wait to see it again. It's playing eight times a week at the Gershwin Theater. Tickets are on sale from now until the end of time. (laughs) (laughs) Right. For our second show, we venture to the other side of Broadway, this time to the east side of 7th Avenue and 45th Street to the Lyceum Theater. There we saw the newest play from Lucas Nath, Dana H. And as we're recording this, we actually literally just walked in the door from seeing it. This, this play, it was wonderfully thrilling. Now, I was a little disappointed with the lack of the seats filled, especially for such a well-told story. But, hey, look, I guess every show is not going to be filled up right now. But 
the story was really amazing and it addressed a really tough and traumatic issue. I didn't see it going where it went. Like no, when we started you... like talking about it, I was like, oh, it's going to, and I'm not going to give the plot away because we're going to cover this in an episode. But I was like, oh, we're going to be talking about this, this, and this because she's a chaplain. Okay, great. Where it went, I was like, what? Yeah. And the fact that, honestly, we're both true crime buffs, right? Oh, yeah. We've never heard about this story. And it's a true story. And what? it happened to the author's mom. Yeah. What? Yeah. Blew my mind. I've never seen a Broadway show told or done in this way. It's definitely something I would have expected more off-Broadway in a more intimate setting. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because it did start off-Broadway at the Vineyard Theater. But yeah, you're exactly right. I mean... It's uh, just... It will, will, I'm not... Well, let's not give the gimmick away. Yeah. But yeah, it... I was really... And, and what's... Well, no, we got to give the gimmick because our thoughts are going to give away. So the show is lip-synced. There's interviews that are played, and the lone actor on stage lip-syncs the person's response. But what I found amazing was, at first I was like, okay, they're lip-syncing. And then about five, ten minutes into the play, I forgot they were. Yes. I totally was just... I, if I met that actress today on the street, and I heard her speak, I'd be like, that's not your voice. Exactly. Well, and my favorite thing about it is it just felt like... It felt like a mixed-media painting, mm-hmm. but performed and, and with, with not just the sound but like with the lighting with the lighting and then the um there were words up top and like it, it just it was very it felt very scrapbooky it felt very mixed medium um it just mm, it was great i loved it um and also i have mad respect for the story as well as the actress because keeping an audience engaged the way that she did especially with minimal movement yes for 90 minutes yes is amazing i think the most movement we saw was the maid making the bed yeah and especially since the actress was lip syncing she had no control over inflection it was purely based on we were up above and we still saw those eye movements and the little twinges in the corner oh, of her little, mouth. Oh, and the little, like, even coughing with the, the, yeah. And the bracelet shaking. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. It was all great. The The one last thing I'll say is I loved at the end, because she's a chaplain, her interpretation or analogy about dying or death, how someone that's dying is in between two worlds. Mm-hmm. You know, as they're dying... They're seeing what's on the other side, whatever that might be. And so my job is to go in. And be and the I, bridge. Right. But I'm, I'm there to tell them, like, this is the date. This is the weather outside. I'm here. I'm really here. Yeah, da, 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 da. To kind of keep them here so they know that I am real. Whatever else they're seeing is what's on the other side. And I was just like, and she was emphasizing that dying or death is conscious. Dying is a conscious experience. Pain is a pain is well. A con- pain takes it away. You have to first get rid of the pain, because dying is a conscious experience. But if you're in pain, you're focusing on the pain. It's hard to meditate when you have a toothache. So once you can rid yourself of the pain, you can focus on that conscious experience of crossing over. And I was like, that is probably the most peaceful explanation of death I have ever been told. And that's not from a playwright. Or anything that's from everybody, an everyday person. And I walked out of that theater and I went, I've never left a show that deals with death feeling so comforted. Mm-hmm. So, 
You can check out the show, uh, Dana H., which is playing in repertory, actually, with Is This a Room at the Lyceum Theater, and tickets are on sale now through January 22nd of 2022. That concludes this episode of the Broadway Bulletin. Be sure to tune in to our next edition coming out every Tuesday and Saturday. Until next time, I'm Hope Bird. And I'm Andrew Cortez, reminding you to turn off your cell phone. Unwrap your candies and keep your mask on, please. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Booga Blues by U.S. Army Blues. Other music on this episode provided by Mad Sky and Billy Murray.